Yeah, it's not as easy as saying too bad there's no protection for fear because meta- mental disabilities are always the hardest ones that I see employers struggling with because there isn't any any like overt proof, right? Um, someone who is is a quadriplegic, it's you can see that. Someone who suffers from panic attacks or generalized anxiety disorder, which is something I've been hearing about a lot of people with generalized anxiety disorder, you don't see it. You don't see their anxiety attack. You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Employers have always had to deal with concerns and dislikes that an employee has regarding the workplace. Some reasonable and some less than so. But in the recent months of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a new concern that most employers had not dealt with or heard before. Fear. The employee fear to return to work after shutdown orders. The employee fear to stay at work after a positive COVID-19 case has occurred in the workplace. Employee fear they will get sick. Employee fear they will get family members sick. Working through this issue can be more complicated than you might initially think. Today, my guest is both a good friend and fellow colleague and fellow podcaster, Susan Dawson. Susan is a business owner of her own law firm and has been a practicing attorney for 20 years representing local, national, and international businesses in employment and business law matters. She's located in the Midwest, specifically licensed in both Illinois and Wisconsin. Along with her experience, she has some fancy recognitions, including one of Chicago's notable women lawyers in 2018 by Cranes Custom Media, one of the top 10 best attorneys for exceptional and outstanding client service, by American Institute of Legal Counsel since 2016. And she was also awarded the 2018 Top 10 Employment and Labor Law Attorneys for Client Satisfaction by the American Jurist Institute, just to name a few. Since my topic is employee fear and loathing in COVID-19, I knew Susan, being the creative out-of-the-box thinker that she is, could discuss with me the recent fears that employees have been bringing to light and how employers could consider working through these issues. I enjoyed our lively conversation on a tricky subject, so I hope you enjoy this Legal Skinny episode of Employee Fear and Loathing in COVID-19.
Thanks for coming on my podcast. Hi, Trisha. I'm so excited to be here. This is great. I'm really excited to have you today. You don't even know. So can you uh, give my listeners a little bit about your background and your work? Sure, sure. I am an attorney in the Chicagoland area. Um, I focus on business law, employment law, commercial real estate. I have a department that I run um, with various attorneys that work in all of those areas. We, we generally say that anything a business owner or executive needs is what our firm covers. So that's me. I've been, I'm in my 20th year of practicing, if you can believe that. Wow. Yeah. But, congratulations. Yeah. That's exciting. Thanks. Who knows? I, who knew? I remember the days when I was like a few years out and thinking, wow, one day, one day I'll be doing this for 20 years. And here it is. <laughs> <laughs> here it is. There it is. Yeah. I'm at 15 and that seems like quite a long time, but um, yeah, right, right behind you about uh, half a decade. I'll catch up. No, I'll never catch up. I'll always be behind, but uh, Susan, um, obviously we've, we've been friends for a long time. I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. You know, uh, legal skinny is just kind of like a little project that I put together. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited that you, um, you know, that I got invited to collaborate with you on one of your brainchilds and my other podcast that I've been working on. So I do kind of want to let everybody know about this other podcast. Can you kind of tell us uh, all about it? Yeah. So, well, you and I, um, it did kind of come out of some, a lot of our conversations and just talking and helping each other and supporting each other through this, uh, especially the COVID time, but even before that. So it's called Three B's on the Law, and that stands for Three Bosses. <laughs> That's right. Explain that. Law. Make sure explain that. <laughs> three Bosses on the Law. Um, there's a little wink, wink to other <laughs> other interpretations, but it stands for three B's on the law. And um, it, it's, we have our third, a third member with us, Kamel, who is our California B. And we have a great time just talking about all the different um, ways to look at issues from different state perspectives. Because as we've talked about, you know, the businesses today aren't the way they used to be. They're not just in one state. They, they're crossing borders all the time, whether it's an employee who's working remote from another border or they've got a customer in another state and, or just anything that happens. So you really need to have that, um, those relationships and that understanding of what the different states are like. And that's what we talk about. We talk about approaching issues that are challenging business owners today um, from an employment law perspective or business perspective from all these different, all these different state thoughts. Yeah, it, I'm just, uh, and it's so fun to collaborate with you. And I'm lucky that you, you, you chose me. I got to be the Texas B, so I've had so much fun. Although there's way too many jokes, and my Texans won't uh, relate to it about, um, you know, uh, Texas related things that yeah, right. <laughs> the Midwest and California right. B make fun of me for. But yeah, yeah. And if you're listening, if you're from Texas and you're listening to this, that doesn't, you know, it those jokes won't land, but with people who are, who are, who are doing business and they're in Illinois and they've got an employee in Texas or an employee in California, there's, we've got some jokes about what it's like to do business in these other states. So yeah. It's I throw, I throw my fair share jokes back at you guys too. So yeah, we deserve it. <laughs> so I always kind of reference it as like a being a fly on the wall, listening to three lawyers kind yeah. of like joke through, uh, discuss through, debate through. We don't always agree on that. So they, they should check it out if, if they're interested in, um, in kind of hearing the different collaboration, especially, you know, if they work across the U.S. US and they do have different laws. You know, I think we kind of um, 
kind of get into a bunch of interesting stuff. So uh, yeah, so they can check us out. Three B's on the law. Um, it's three T H R E E B's on the law.com. And yep. uh, the podcast is great. And, and it's been so much fun to collaborate with you. But today I have drug you here to talk to me about the ongoing fear of COVID-19 for the employees, like this sort of thing that employers are dealing with when uh, an employee is not wanting to return to work or is in the work situation and there is a COVID-19 positive case and the fear that goes along with that and the employer trying to work through that because it's not an easy thing on what to do in that situation, is it, Susan? No, I mean, there's very little about what's going on right now that's an easy thing for employers to deal with, right? All things related to COVID and Family First Coronavirus Act are just, they're challenging, challenging for all employers. But the fear, that fear concept that's not tied into a specific illness, just, I don't wanna go to work because I'm afraid. That's, that's an interesting one that employers are dealing with and struggling with. Yeah. So that's great. Like the FFCRA, here we are. We have these six reasons for paid sick leave. None mm -hmm. of them include technically fear of COVID-19. Right. Right. Just, right. Yeah. Just fear. Just, yeah. I just don't want to catch it. No, none of them include, there's no protection under the, the Family First Coronavirus Act for that. Yeah. And that yeah. would probably be because maybe the entire workforce of America would, would go out and elect and stay that and would stay home. Right. Uh, right. Who wouldn't be? I mean, no one wants to get it. Right. I mean, or, you know, if you're if you're going to get sick, nobody wants that. So, yeah, I understand the fear. The fear makes sense. It's a rational fear. It is. It's out there, especially since so many states like your state, Texas, that it's booming again. The cases I haven't checked lately. I don't know where you guys are at. But um, I know well, a month ago or so, you guys were, were blooming again. So it's it can be scary for employees, but there's no protection. There isn't an ability to stay home just out of a fear, as long as we can't tie it to something else, like a like an anxiety disorder or some sort of disability. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the hypochondriac, which is a real legitimate actual medical condition if mm -hmm. diagnosed with something like that or some other type of like you said anxiety disorder that would that would maybe be protected right that would be something yep. but how would how does the employer figure that out whether it is actual some sort of real medical condition or if it's just i'm scared to come back to work yeah it's a challenge right well when i'm talking to businesses about it i if someone if an employee is saying i'm afraid then you need to dig into it a little bit and find out um, you know, is there a medical condition? What, you know, what are you afraid of? What is it? Is it, is there something in the office workplace that we can fix? Is it not that you just don't want to go anywhere? You don't want to leave your house. Okay. Um, you know, what's going on? So we've dealt with that quite a bit. A lot of times employees will mention things like my therapist said, and then I'm like, Oh, you know, red flag therapy, you're in therapy, may, may possible mental illness, um, disability, we got to dig into that one, we can't just ignore the word therapist. So, um, but yeah, you need to, you can't just say no, you have to talk to the employee and find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, because I think when they're afraid maybe to come back into work, there is an initial thought possibly that, you know, from an employer standpoint, well, okay, you're scared to come back to work, you know, there's a lot of people scared, but, you know, just digging in to seeing is there a medical condition is one option, right? They maybe should dig in. Is there something that they could do? Is there something the employer could do like to make the workplace safer right? so that they feel better about coming back in? Like what exactly is the fear about? Because if the fear is about, 
you know, I work in a room that, you know, I'm sitting, you know, in cubicles next to all these individuals. Well, is there, you know, you know, different options that you could kind of explore to sort of make the workforce feel safer? I mean, don't you think that might be an option? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, make sure you look through the CDC guidelines and you're following them, right? And the current ones, because they get updated from time to time. Make sure that you're doing, you know, what you can to follow those guidelines. In some states, I don't know where Texas is at, but here in Illinois, we have some guidelines. They're not set in stone, but there's guidelines for, you know, what you should be doing on top of the CDC guidelines and your OSHA guidelines. Um, making sure that you're that you're following that, but then find out are employees actually following it, right? Or are employees not, you know, are they are they not wearing their masks properly? Are they are they doing other things? Are they leaning over someone's desk without a mask on? You know, sometimes when we're the boss and we're in our office and we're busy all day long with the door shut, we don't know what's going on out there on the floor, you know, just amongst staff. So making sure maybe there's something there. Did, did, you know, maybe they don't want to tell on their coworkers, but maybe there's a concern there that can be corrected. Yeah, that's a good point. So in scenario, employee complains about how, you know, they feel that the workplace is unsafe. Um, what, you know, an initial thought of how to address that would be, what do you think, Susan? Uh, the workplace, they say it's unsafe. Well, I would ask them, I would ask for more information about what is it that they feel is unsafe, right? What is, is there something specific that they have concerns about? And if their answer is, well, COVID could be anywhere and I just don't want to be in a room. Okay. Then maybe we're not, maybe you need to go down a path and find out if there's some sort of background um, medical condition that we need to be concerned about. But if they mention things like masks and, and we were out of you know hand sanitizer yesterday and people weren't cleaning their hands or you know something like that well though that's correctable and we can we can put that in place but that doesn't mean the employees doesn't have to come to work right if it's if it's employees aren't wearing their masks okay we'll make sure we put on a notice we'll make sure that we enforce that but you still need to come to work yeah what do you think about training too like exploring that as potential solving you know people not following i mean you might have a million signs over it. let's face it there's like 40 million signs out there now <laughs> we go oh should the cdc the tech for us the Texas department of health and human services like it's just like it's the signs and the videos it is uh overwhelming to it say is, the yeah. least of uh i don't know how many more signs there could be about how you wash your hands but yeah so so you got all the signs up but like people start on following what do you think about training is it you think it's effective in the workforce is it something they should explore Definitely, definitely, especially management staff, shift supervisors, those types, they should be very well trained on safety protocols and what your protocols are. Whenever I'm doing a presentation to, uh, you, know, we, you know, sometimes I'll do like a discrimination or harassment or whatever presentation to managerial staff, I remind them that they are our boots on the ground. They're the ones who are there. They're the ones who see it. They're the ones who are out there, you know, the, the executive staff, you know, if you have a C-suite level or just if it's just you running your office. And like I said, you're always in your office busy because the as you know, you know, Tricia and I know as business owners, we're busy with so many different things that we can't always get out there. So it's those managers that you rely on to make sure that rules are being followed. Uh, so training is very important, making sure everyone understands that. 
whenever there is an incident, you know, maybe call back in for another training session, run them back through the protocols. This is what we're seeing. Send out notices to all the employees, you know, reminding them you must wash your hands. You must use the hand sanitizer. You must, you know, prop here's proper mask wearing rules, right? So yeah, I would stay on top of it because the slightest um, slip and it's a scary slope that people will just suddenly become culturally okay in your office to not wear masks appropriately. And now you've got a potential OSHA violation, someone gets sick, you've got plaintiff's attorneys out there that are waiting in the wings to jump on businesses and these in, and create lawsuits. So yeah, yeah I like I like that. That especially the sort of the combination of the mask wearing and the social distancing, which sometimes gets missed. They think, well, we're doing the social distancing, you know, um, so, you know, we don't need the mask. Well, that may come down to what particular orders you're under related to it, you know, but right. certainly if you're wearing a mask, you know, CDC and OSHA and them are saying you still are supposed to be social distancing if it's not like these high level masks, right? So that's right. that's confusing right. if management's calling meetings where you're in a room and it's impossible to social distance. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. That is a challenge. I know. Um, where do you have these meetings and how do you talk to everyone so that they can all still be socially distanced? But yeah, that's something people aren't realizing. Just because you have a max, mask on doesn't mean that you should be right up next to somebody. If it's a short, you know, we're passing each other in the hall. Okay. What can you do? But, um, but if you're working in close contact with others, you or not close contact, but if you could be, you need to a mask and socially distance. So Unless you can, at least in Illinois, unless you can go into an office and shut the door, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. And then on top of that, so we've got this COVID-19 potentially fearful employee who may have a medical condition they might want to explore. They may be complaining just about safe work practices and either, which may be total valid concerns, maybe totally unreasonable concerns, mm -hmm. but just being careful that those individuals have protections around them, like the National Labor Relations Act allows you to complain about your working conditions. Right. And then OSHA is of course looking at those whistleblower claims, right? Right. So yeah. um the retaliation is right. I I feel like the retaliation is like um not ringing as as um much into the scenarios when you hear the, all these issues. I think you know there's a natural try to like fix it kind of thing where yeah you need to fix it but also remember we're we're now talking about three different scenarios we've just brought up in our conversation of potential protections that this person has. Yeah. To me, when I'm talking to businesses about this, the, the number one thing I was, I'm concerned about is retaliation because when it comes to retaliation, the underlying claim that was made can be untrue. So the employee can make a claim that people aren't wearing their masks and it can be completely unfounded. But if you take an action against them, um, like, you know what, I'm sick of your complaints. You're fired. Right that's retaliation. And even if it turns out that people were wearing their masks appropriately. So retaliation is always concerning, whether we're in COVID land or not. Retaliation is always a big concern. Uh, but right now it's a really big concern. It doesn't mean that if an employee says that I'm afraid and then they refuse to come work, that you can't eventually say, you have to come to work or you're out of a job. I'm not saying that, but you have to make sure that you've followed through, you've talked to them, the word fear or afraid that should trigger in your head, we're dealing with a possible disability. So it should take into your, take your brain into, okay, what's, what do I do? Standard disability procedure. What do I do? Interactive process. Talk to them. 
what can we do? Is there an accommodation? How do we deal with that? Well, we need we need a note from the doctor. We need to substantiate the medical condition. You know, so if they don't have to tell you what the medical condition is, but just substantiate that there is a condition and here's the accommodation that's being requested. And then you go through the discussion. So yeah, it's not as easy as saying too bad, there's no protection for fear because meta mental disabilities are always the hardest ones that I see employers struggling with because there isn't any any like overt proof, right? Um, someone who is is a quadriplegic, it's you can see that, right? Someone who suffers from panic attacks or generalized anxiety disorder, which is something I've been hearing about a lot. And people with generalized anxiety disorder, you don't see it. You don't see their anxiety attack. So that's and it's hard. Hard. yeah, it's hard too when you have management maybe that in the you know they aren't as experienced with those medical conditions, so maybe they don't they've not experienced it in their lives, you know, so they may, you know, it may not something that that's why I think you're right. Like with the training, it can help for them to identify those. And then I also think that it's underestimated what an adverse action is. That's a pretty broad yeah. term. Like it's not yeah. just firing someone, right? No. Susan? no, I mean, that's something I've talked to people about. I'm like, you could move their desk and they could see it as an adverse action right? You couldn't take the stapler away. And they say, you know, my job required stapling. And all of a sudden I didn't have access to a stapler. Adverse action, right? Like, I feel like I'm having office space, like flashbacks. It's <laughs> <right? they> took- <laughs> yeah, such a great movie. <laughs> I know. It's like, don't take his stapler away. But that is a good point. I mean, but it's true. I mean, as long as the employee sees it as adverse, right? then, I mean, they'd have to substantiate it to some degree. The stapler's a bit of an exaggeration, but it could work. It really could genuinely be Yeah, that. I mean, just moving job responsibilities around. Mm-hmm. Some people think if you think the pay, if the pay is the same and the employer, um, if, if the job tells the same and the pay is the same, there's not adverse action happening, but that's right. not really what the cases all say. They There's a much broader definition. You could even have a social setting where someone wasn't invited because they thought they might not like want to be involved you know, with bowling or doing whatever. And that could be interpreted as, you know, adverse, you know, and so um, very need to be wary of that, I think for sure. Yeah, be Um, very careful. Retaliation is concerning. Yeah. And then one last thing before um, we kind of wrap this up as we're talking about this. So say we do get in that situation with our fear worker and, and they don't, there is, you know, they're, they're at home. They're not, you know, they're having some trouble responding because they are fearful about coming back into work you know, what are the options on communicating with that worker, the fearful worker at home, not wanting to come back into work? And they have like 40 excuses on why all of them surrounding different versions of the fear. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's no, real, no medical condition really, you know? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the issue, right? So hopefully you can get on the phone with them and talk to them. That's usually the best way, but then there isn't proof of the right. conversation. So that's challenging. And under the FFCRA, you need to document that conversation. I mean, you should document it anyway, but the FFCRA is pretty clear about when you're talking to someone about they're not wanting to come into work related to COVID that you need to document the conversation. Uh, you can talk to them through email. You can talk to them through text. I mean, all all methods of communication are, are available, but the struggle is getting the employee to respond to you. And if we're dealing with a disability, the courts are pretty clear. You've got to give them a lot of time. It's, it's not... Hey, I need a doctor's note. I need it tomorrow. Right. I mean, it's not even, I'm not even talking about the FFCRA challenges or the COVID challenges of getting a doctor's note. You have to give them time. You have to be much more lenient when you're dealing with a disability uh, to try to um, get them to work. Now, 
whether or not they fall under the FFCRA and you're going to pay them your paid sick leave for this, you know, that you might not need to. If we're just dealing with, if we're dealing with a disability that isn't exasperated by COVID at the end of the day, that's what it's determined to be, you know, which would be in this situation. It's hard to imagine a situation where it's not when you're saying I'm afraid to come in because of COVID. Right. But, but you know, the question about whether or not you have to pay them or they fall under any paid leave is separate from how much time you need to give them to get the doctor's note, to, to get the accommodation, to talk through the interactive process. It you, you have to give them time. And if they're not, if there is no medical condition and it just truly is a fear that may not be protected, right? And they're mm -hmm. just scared to come in, um, then communicating with them and having the right information to communicate with them would be important. So if you haven't updated any contact forms with employees in a long time, that may be something to explore. Yeah, make sure you have the right information. If you're furloughing individuals or laying them off, double check their contact information before you do so, right? Or if they're, if you're sending people home because there's been, an, you know, they've been, been in contact with COVID, make sure you have the proper contact information. But employees need to make sure that they're giving you that information too. So, um, you know, but it is a struggle. People move, they don't tell you they moved. Uh, you don't have their updated phone number or, or personal email or something like that. And what do you do? There's not really a right answer if you just don't have their proper information. Yeah, it's tricky. It certainly puts the employer in an uncomfortable situation when they're trying to figure out, okay, do I hold this position or is this person never coming back? But, you know, you can do the best you can do and just try to see if you can, you know, have the best contact information with the individual, you know, while they're on leave or when they're being furloughed. And I think um, that would be the best place to start to try to make sure that you have, because there's a lot more communicating going on nowadays um, <laughs> via text, <laughs> which I know we probably don't love. Right. Uh, and because just printing those out are awful because they're like all right. weird. But um, keep them. Absolutely. You got to keep them. They disappear. They don't stay out there forever. That's so right. And I think iPhones have a natural like uh, elimination. I'm sure that the Androids do too, if you don't prevent that from that. But yeah, trying to secure that. And then but then the emails and then the phone calls and then trying to send letters out, it can just kind of get overwhelming if you don't have the right contact info for those employees on how to properly communicate with them. So um, I appreciate that. I think this is a good discussion, Susan. Yeah, it's always a good discussion when I'm <laughs> on the phone with you, Trisha. Okay, do you mind if we do the legal uh, skinny rundown? I'm so excited. I've heard it so many times on your podcast. It's my <laughs> Okay, beach or mountains? I would say mountains. I'm, I don't really like a lot of heat and sun. Now say that kind of makes sense because you're up there in the Midwest. I mean, you know, no, it's not how far we have to travel for a beach. <laughs> Come on. If, if lake, if like a pier and a lake was an option, I'd pick that one because I'm a big lake girl. But um, otherwise, mountains. Mountains. Elvis or the Beatles? That's hard for me. I was wondering how I would answer that one because I'm not really like, you know. Neither one of them is really my like driving force, but I'd have to say Beatles over Elvis if I have to pick between those two. Two. If you could throw in some like like The Cure, that'd be great. Um, You're like the only guest that's like, let's redo the. <laughs> you have other attorneys on here, and they're not trying to break the rules. They're always breaking everybody else's rules. I should have known if someone rules. was going to break the rules, Susan, it would be you. It'd be me. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> Most influential book you've read. So I primarily do a lot of reading just for fun. So I don't 
I, I, you know, there are daily, day-to-day life is hard enough. I like to come home and turn my brain off, but um, I did have a book. I'm going to be very careful about the title that I really enjoyed recently. That's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, and then insert word that sounds kind of like fudge and hockey puck and like somewhere in there. Um, And I really thought that it was a good book because it really wasn't about not caring about things. It was about caring about what's important and learning how to let the rest of it go and how to set boundaries in your life. So that was important for me because as a business owner, I'm, you know, and I'm my self-diagnosed ADHD, I'm jumping all over the place. So (laughs) I don't have ADHD. I just pretend like I do. It's easy to blur those boundaries for sure. And I appreciate since this is a family friendly podcast that you didn't go there. (laughs) Okay. Dead or alive, what famous person would you invite to dinner? Okay, so again, f- real, not fictional. Just saying. Okay, it can be fictional. Just bend all the rules you want here, Susan. Okay, well, it would have to be um, Star Wars related because to me, like that would be the number one. So I would probably pick um, Carrie Fisher. She's real, though. She's real, <laughs> but really, what I wanted to, what I want to talk to is Princess Leia. Um. <laughs> You know, but but Carrie Fisher is a real person who is sadly deceased. Um, you know, if I had my perfect table, it'd be like Carrie Fisher, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Nelson Mandela. You know, they, they, they work, right? That fits. Star Wars, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, same thing, right? Princess Leia with the buns. That's really? who you yeah. want. She'd be sitting at the table with the buns. Um, I'd have Obi-Wan Kenobi showing up and he'd be hanging out with, you know, Ruth Bader and Nelson. Yeah, that's a dinner yeah. I would go to for sure, Susan. That sounds good. Any dinner with me and my quirky, quirky guests is a fun. I knew, I knew you were going to get Star Wars in here somewhere. You just couldn't get through Star this. I, I know. <laughs> okay, finally, one minute or less, what is the skinny on the scared COVID-19 employee? I would say make sure that you don't take it at face value just because someone's afraid, dig into the fear. What is the fear? Make sure we're not dealing with the disability and see if there isn't something that you can course correct for that employee, you know, to make them feel safer at work. I love that. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you can always find me at the three Bs at gmail.com. But also I'm on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn's under my name, but everything else is under at WPD legal or our website is WPDlegal.com. Thank you, Susan. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. And I loved breaking the rules. Of course you did. (laughs) So that's Legal Skinny on uh, the Fear COVID-19 employee. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.